So what's the mindset of an Olympian coming into the amazing race? You're competitive your whole life. You're ready to take on challenges. When you rip open that clue, mm-hmm. what do you do? Don't think and go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Obstacles and Opportunities with Lowell and Julie. Sharing stories, empowering mindsets. Today's guest is Natalie Spooner, our Amazing Race Canada sister and Canadian Olympic hockey champion. Natalie started playing organized hockey at the age of four, and after high school was offered a scholarship to attend the Ohio State University. She played for the Buckeyes for four seasons and holds the all-time goal-scoring record for the school. In 2012, Natalie was drafted to play for the Canadian Women's Hockey League's Toronto Furies before centralizing in Calgary for a chance to earn a spot on the roster for the 2014 Olympic team, which she did, and the Canadian Women's Hockey team won gold in Sochi. In 2018, Natalie helped Canada bring home the silver from Pyeongchang, and she hopes to represent Canada again at the 2022 Beijing Olympic Games. In 2014, Natalie, along with teammate and friend Megan Mickelson, competed on The Amazing Race Canada. As if Canada didn't love these two enough already, their domination of Season 2 solidified them in our hearts. Also in 2014, Natalie became the first woman in hockey history to claim the gold medal in the Olympic Winter Games and the Clarkson Cup in the same year. One reality show wasn't enough for this incredible woman. In 2019, she swapped the hockey skates for figure skates and competed with figure skater Andrew Poget on Season 5 of Battle of the Blades. They earned themselves a second-place finish, and very impressively, Natalie lifted Andrew up during one of their routines. In 2020, Natalie returned to the show as a judge. One of the things we admire most about Natalie is what she has done for girls and women in sport. She is a fast and female real role model and has a high-performance hockey academy for girls. Natalie is beautiful inside and out, and Adidas obviously picked up on that as they recently scooped her up as an athlete for Team Adidas. This conversation was fun and lighthearted, and we covered a lot of ground, including our mutual love of Celine Dion, of course. We know you'll love Natalie as much as we do. Enjoy. Hey, hello. Oh, there you are. Hi, Natalie. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, good. I love it. You guys look so professional. I'm like, wow. I feel like I need to get some kind of microphone here to like... Really up your game. Yeah. (laughs) You live just outside Toronto? I'm in Mississauga. Like actually not too far from the airport. Oh, okay. So Lowell's driven by your place probably a billion times. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) You guys are in Alberta though, right? Yeah. Yeah, lots of our cycling training is done out in Milton. So land in Toronto and head out to Milton. And then my my pilot's out in Hamilton. So lots of time out there. Yeah, Milton has that like, it's what a pretty new facility out there, right? With the... Do you call it the velodrome? We what call, call it, it the velodrome, yeah. Look at look at you mixing in lingo from other sports. <laughs> Trying. <laughs> yeah, it was built for the uh, Pan Am and Para Pan Am Games. Gotcha. During this pandemic, you have not... Okay, you just got back from a training camp, though, so you are on the ice now. Yeah. Was that the first time back on the ice? No, like, we've been lucky enough that we've been able to get on the ice. Oh, good. Just in, like, small groups, though, here. Like, we're only, like, 10 people on the ice in Ontario right now. So we go, like, group training. And then with Team Canada, we've been able to have two camps so far. So we had one out in Calgary in, was it January? And then we were out in Halifax last month. And then Worlds are supposed to be in Halifax in May. So and just gearing up for that. It's still still set to go? Still set to go. So it was supposed to be April and they pushed it to May. So now everything's crossed. It's going to happen. Yeah, hopefully. So what is the selection process and everything now for Beijing? Oh, it's definitely got a little bit quirkier through this, but um, we have like worlds. And then after that, they pick what's called like a centralization roster. So they'll invite like, 
I mean, it could be up to 30 girls, but they'll probably probably around like 28 girls and we'll all move to Calgary in September. And then it's like a five month long tryout pretty much. Like you can be cut anytime along oh. that way. And then Christmas, right before Christmas, they pick the team and then go home for Christmas for a quick break and then come back. And then like pretty much January, we head out somewhere to get acclimatized to the time change. Oh man. So at no point is there a guarantee that you're on the team? No, it's no always pressure. a tryout. Jeez. Oh, I would, I would not do well in that climate. <laughs> do you like it? I mean, according to Amazing Race Canada and the Olympics, you're really good under pressure. So do you kind of thrive with that kind of pressure and stress or is it still like, eh? Like I do like pressure. Like, I like being in like high pressure games. And I think those are the games that you get the most excited for. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like, I don't think I like the stress that goes along yeah. with it. <laughs> I think it can take a toll, but I like the yeah. pressure. Oh, okay. So that's good. You are a fellow fast and female role model. Mm -hmm. You have done so much for girls and women in sport. You are a superhero, I would say, to a lot of people, a lot of girls. Who was your hero growing up? Did you have one? Oh, boy. I mean, I think I had lots. Like, And I think that that was what made it so special is like I was able to draw inspiration from so many different people. And obviously, when I was younger, I had three older brothers, and I thought they were the most amazing things like they played hockey and I wanted to be just like them and then it probably wasn't until I mean I played girls hockey but I didn't realize that girls could go far in hockey or mm. you know what kind of the next step was like I thought I was going to play in the NHL just like any other kid and then when I was 11 I got to meet Jennifer Botterill who obviously you know Olympian gold medalist and I got to meet her and see her gold medal mm. It would have been after the 2002 Olympics. Oh, wow. And I got a picture with her. And that was kind of the moment for me that was like, wow, like I'm like her or I could be like her, you know, and to see her and to know like what she accomplished. I think that was the moment for me that really clicked and was like, wow, I want to do that. I want to go win a medal at the Olympics. Oh, that's awesome. Are any of your brothers in the NHL? No, they went away to university. My one brother played a bit in the East Coast League, but now they're all done. Just beer league hockey players. <laughs> <laughs> they're big, important role models for you at the beginning of your life. What did you learn from your brothers? Any specific lessons? There's 12 years between me and my oldest brother. Wow. There's seven years between me and my middle brother. And then 18 months between me and my youngest brother. But I think like they were obviously always giving me advice and my dad would build a backyard rink every winter. So I would be out there all the time and they'd be teaching me stuff and we'd be like battling out there. But I think I always hurt them more than they, more than they hurt me or whatever. But I mean, I think just work ethic. My dad was one of those people that always instilled like work ethic. My dad was a rugby player actually in England. And then my parents immigrated to Canada. Oh, so it would have been in like 1970 something. Okay. So before any of you, or did, was your brother born then your oldest brother? No, he no. was born in Canada okay. when they got here. So yes, yeah, so they immigrated when they got married. Oh. They knew nothing about hockey at all. It was really funny. <laughs> so like they put us all into soccer and my oldest brother, like when kids in Canada play soccer in the summer, they all play hockey in the winter. So he just wanted to like keep playing with his friends. So they were like, okay, well, I guess mm. you're going to play hockey. <laughs> they like literally went to Canadian Tire, bought everything off the mannequin, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know we needed like a jersey or socks or anything, but figured it out. Yeah, figured eventually. out eventually. <laughs> By the time I came along, they were pretty pros at the hockey thing. Well, there's a pretty elite crew of these great hockey players who had parents built hockey rinks for them when they were kids. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like super Canadian, really, like to, <laughs> to be able to have a backyard rink. And like, he always had like the Christmas lights hanging up so we could play as late as we wanted. And Aww. yeah, it was so much fun. I think that that's kind of like some of the greatest memories. I think when you think of playing hockey when you're a kid, like it's so much fun. There was, wasn't really like any pressure. It was just all about fun. And I always mm -hmm. feel like think back to that even now when I'm like in, in 
intense games, I'm like, hey, it's a game. It's fun. fun. Go have fun. So that makes me think, what is your favorite moment of competition? And was it or was it not in the Olympics? It for or- sure was the Olympics. <laughs> 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 the 2014 Olympics for sure. Like it okay. was probably one of the toughest years I've been through. It was so hard as a team. We went through so much adversity, but I think it like set us up for the Olympics and the Olympics almost felt easy. And when we got in that game and we got down two goals, we knew we had it in us to come back. Just the way we won that game, it made it that much more special. So I have to for sure say 2014 Olympics, not only for winning, but it being my first Olympics and yeah. uh, the way we were able to win. And home soil. Uh, like No, Sochi. Oh, this is Sochi 2014. Yeah. Right. I, okay. Unless she's Russian. And... Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think she's Russian. Maybe somewhere back <laughs> in my past. <laughs> Amazing. And those were quite the games, right? Quite the spectacle. What was that Olympic experience like for you? First one, eyes open, everything new and crazy. Mm-hmm. It was wild. I mean, I think you can kind of like try to like imagine what the Olympics are like, but For me, it didn't really hit me until like the opening ceremonies. I think when you think of Team Canada, I always thought, oh, my hockey team, we're going to be at the Olympics. It's just going to be like a world championships. But like now you're part of a team that is like so much bigger than Mm -hmm. just your own team. And you get to meet so many other athletes. You walk in and you literally feel like you could take over the building because there's so many people in red and like so many Canadians. So it's just like such like a moment of pride, but also a moment where it's like, wow, I'm actually here. I'm doing it. We're going to be playing at the Olympics. So it was pretty crazy, but so cool just getting to meet so many people, so many other athletes that, you know, I probably wouldn't have had the chance to meet had I just, you know, been playing at a world championships or just in my league. Yeah. How loud does an arena get? It can get pretty loud. I think like... Probably the fans notice it more actually. When I'm on the ice, I don't notice it too much. I'm pretty zoned in. Like normally Uh when I get on the ice, I find my parents, I see where they're sitting and I wave Uh at them and then (laughs) I'm like into the rink. So I don't notice too much, but I guess I notice the music sometimes. They play the music pretty loud between whistles. So people going. So on the flip side, what's the hardest moment of your sport career? And then because this is obstacles and opportunities, what did you learn from that? Oh man, I think there's been a lot of hard times. The most disappointed I felt was probably the 2018 Olympics and losing and knowing like you work so hard for that. And you kind of think like after the 2014, like I was like hungry for more. Like it's like you do it and you're like, hey, when's the next one? And you literally Mm -hmm. wait four years for this opportunity and to know that we worked so hard and came so close and then to lose in a shootout. I think it was like super disappointing. And even Mm. like coming back home, I really struggled with the fact that we didn't win and we didn't win a gold medal. And for me, it really wasn't until like it might've even been like four months after I got back, I met a little girl and her mom and I had both of my medals there and I was showing them. She wanted to see them. So I was showing them to her and she looked at my silver medal and then she turned to her mom. She was kind of holding it. She turned to her mom and said like, I want to win one of these. And I looked at her like, no, you don't. Like, it's silver. not the good one. Like, that's what I was like, to her, like that medal was still something so amazing that, you know, yeah. I went to the Olympics and I won a silver medal. And I kind of put it into perspective that, yeah, we didn't achieve our goal, but we still were able to do something amazing and win a silver medal and go to the Olympics. So mm-hmm. I think it took a little bit of perspective there, but also, I guess, overcoming it as an obstacle, like definitely learned a lot as a team and moving mm-hmm. forward, we're able to kind of put that in and what worked, what didn't work that Olympic year and kind of how we can move forward. And I think from every you know, whether it's an injury or getting cut from a team, whatever it is, I think you're kind of able to look back and at the, in the moment, like you're crying and it seems like the most devastating mm-hmm. thing ever. But afterwards you kind of look back and kind of like, be like, okay, you know, like it maybe wasn't that bad. And what, what has come out of this? It's been, it's been pretty good. I've grown, I've gotten better as a hockey player or I've gotten stronger. So I think there's always those moments where you got to kind of reflect and say, okay, you know, things happen for a reason. And 
and what's the what's the good that can come out of this? And you guys still had a very very proud country behind you. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you, you guys are just throwing the Americans a bone. Like, okay, you guys, you haven't experienced this. Let's just, you know, well, you can have a chance, eh? But not anymore. <laughs> nope. One and done. Yeah. <laughs> You're engaged, right? Mm-hmm. Yay, yes, congratulations. We were to get married last summer. Oh, pushed no. it to this summer. Well, because of COVID. So yeah. everything is like crazy. So we pushed it to this summer and we actually just canceled our big wedding and we're going to do an intimate ceremony. But it's coming together. Aw. <laughs> yeah. And when did you get engaged? It would have been after the World Championships in 2019. Is he a hockey player as well? He used to play hockey. He did at the University of Calgary. He, mm. And then he coached there. Now he is an assistant coach for our PWHPA team here in Toronto. And he still does some coaching on the side, but he's in medical sales now. Oh, cool. Power couple. (laughs) Back to the ice now. I didn't bring up Battle of the Blades. Oh, Okay, so you competed on it. And then were you a judge this last Mm -hmm. season? Okay. I think, I don't know if it's because, also I was searching, I was searching you and Marnie McBean on Instagram. And now all these pictures of Scott Moir are showing up on, in my search feed. And I think it's just because of that, like Marnie's connection. He's like part of their wedding story, <laughs> their mm-hmm. surprise wedding story. And then he judged with you, right? Yes. That's, that's funny. Yeah, okay. He was so, a pro. He knew what he was actually judging. <laughs> I was just yeah. trying to learn about figure skating be like, oh, it looks good. So is it you were actually judging based on figure skating things? Yeah, kind of. I, I mean, I was supposed to, um, <laughs> but it's kind of crazy when I'm like judging Olympic champion figure skaters and then like pretty hockey great players. hockey players <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure skate. Uh, I was feel like I was always like over to like Scott or Elosh, like did, did it go up properly? Was that was that a triple? Was that a double? What what just happened? I, missed, I, I lost track when I was counting. Yeah, <laughs> like it's so hard to tell. Like I thought they all looked great. I thought they were all yeah. amazing. They You're would like all got ten. tens in my books. Yeah, <laughs> you should have just done that. You yeah. just need you always need one judge. It just helps you makes you feel yeah. good about yourself. <laughs> uh-huh. Has any other female figure skater in any type of competition lifted their male partner, or is that are you just breaking ground all over the place? I think that there was not in Battle of the Blades, but in like an actual figure skating competition, there was a girl who did the low lift kind of. I think she dressed up as a man and he dressed up as a woman and like they did some like like balancing one. And did you or did you not drop him in rehearsal ever? I dropped him a lot. (laughs) Did he wear a helmet or? No. Is he I literally like pile drove him (laughs) into the ground one time. Oh no. It was not good. I wasn't sure if he, like literally I was waiting like the whole competition. I was like, you got to let me lift you. You got to let me lift you. And at first he like just wasn't that trusting. And then eventually we're like, okay, we got to do it. And I'm surprised he still let me do it because I dropped him quite a few times. Okay. Who was more nervous when you actually did it for the competition? You or him? I don't know. Probably him at the moment, but I think I was more nervous probably the whole time. It was just one of those moments where you just like flex everything and just go, and like, just like pray to God. That you don't crack your pants. <laughs> wasn't gonna fall. Yeah. And that. Practicing that core work. All those squats you've done all these years for that yeah. moment. Uh-huh, exactly. Every, every muscle. (laughs) Switching over from hockey to figure skating. How is it to learn that topic? It was tough for sure. (laughs) I mean, you kind of think like, okay, I can skate. I'm going to be able to skate, but it's like a totally different form of skating. I had bruises like all up my arms, all down my knees. I had bruises everywhere. I was wearing like volleyball knee pads after that because it was just so bad. And like, it was actually the, the moments when you thought, oh, I got this, I did it. And like, you kind of like forget. And then you're just like, faceplant. <laughs> I definitely got more comfortable with them over yeah. the time, but I was also switching back and forth. Like, at night I'd have hockey practice and during the day I'd practice. Oh, geez. Skating. That's crazy. So like, it was really weird. <laughs> 
how many hours of figure skating practice probably went into each show or each time oh, you competed? Lots. Like you were practicing probably like three hours to four hours on a day on the ice, plus another hour of off ice lifting each other. Yeah. Like not lifting weights. We had to like practice all of the lifts that we were going to do on the ice. Yeah. Before Did you ever drop him on land? No, I think he kind of, we could always come out of it pretty easily. Okay. I was pretty sturdy on land. Yeah. Until I got on those skates and my <laughs> toe picks. You're like, don't want to lean too far forward because then you're like, whoop. Is it a mandatory to watch The Cutting Edge? I didn't watch it, but I've definitely heard of it. Lowell made me watch the clip about the toe pick. Toe pick. I didn't see that clip. A lot of people sent me that clip, actually. (laughs) Just classic. So would you do it again? Either compete or judge? I would prefer, yeah. I love judging. It was super cool, but I also loved competing. I think the judging part is just, I love the thrill of things. Like, I think that's why I love the amazing race. The moment before you start, and it was kind of like the same moment with figure skating before you get going. And then once you're into it, you're into it. That like feeling before you do your routine was kind of thing that was lacking with the judging, but I did love judging. I think it was so much fun to get to see Mm. other skaters. And I think the last season, I mean, they were all so good. Like anyone could have won. But yeah, I would for sure do it again. Either, either position. Uh So two reality TV shows now amazing race canada season two you dominated (laughs) you won seven legs which is still the most any canadian team at least has won is that the record for american seasons as well i don't know um no we were one short i think we're the winningest female team but if we would have won one more we would have tied the most there's like a two guy team in the states i think we never saw the american season until we were cast and then Lowell started binging from the first season and I started binging from the most recent season. And we still didn't get them all watched, but... <laughs> yeah, so many seasons there. <laughs> yeah. So your relationship with Megan Mickelson. Uh-huh. First of all, what made you two apply together and then... How was your relationship before versus after the race? Obviously, like we were teammates before. And I wouldn't say like we were great friends before or anything. We were good friends because obviously when your teammates are kind of like, they become your sisters through the Olympic year because you're literally seeing them every single day. Mm -hmm. And then I remember we were, I was actually like, I was living in Calgary. We were centralized for the 2014 Olympics at the time. And that's when the auditions were going in. So I was like, man, who could I ask like on the team that would maybe want to do this? And I remember I was heading into cool down and she was on the bike and I said, Hey, like, would you want to apply for the amazing race? And it was like an automatic yes. And I was like, (laughs) okay, like I didn't expect like that much enthusiasm, but like, (laughs) let's do it. So we had like one day off and we filmed like a little skit around the rink and sent it in. And then we got like the callback and it kind of just went from there. And obviously when we actually got on the show, we got to know each other a lot better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we got along so well. And I think our friendship just became like, we became like real sisters. Like if we could spend six weeks together like that, like stuck in a room together, like we're doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine being one of the exes teams stuck in a room together? No, I know. That's crazy. (laughs) We had like the Mentos challenge. I guess got out of hand and like screaming and like the board went over and had to like pause the race. I think that was, did they tell us all that was the first time they had to pause the whole race in like for all of the Canadian series. And the second time, was for us <laughs> and not for us our crew uh we just about right Is that yeah. we just about killed them in vietnam they were slipping in and out of consciousness and they had to because it was stroke. so hot it was 55 degrees celsius oh, super hot with the humidity and so they had to stop the whole race and an ambulance came took them and a new crew came to finish with us <laughs> Jeez, wow yeah because like in france we finished and then we're like you know you gotta gotta wait around for everyone else to finish or at least like <laughs> For most we didn't, finish, but like, I know you like, did. Yeah. <laughs> we were waiting for like 10 hours. 
It oh, was that's not, crazy. Like, they're like, hey, well, go to the coffee shop, get a coffee, take a nap in the van. Like, we were like, what is going on? Like, where is everyone? And then we heard about this after. Oh, no. And like, oh, people man. were making fun of each other's moms, I guess. Oh, like, oh no. Mom jokes. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> it went schoolyard on Amazing Race <laughs> oh, Canada. It did. It did. <laughs> that's the board. <laughs> so did you guys have a chance to form relationships with other teams or were you just too far ahead all the time? You know, at first we didn't, but then obviously at the airport, you get to, oh, you know, yeah. yeah, for sure. We did still, I mean, Suki and gender, we still are friends with them. Uh, Mickey and Pete, Mickey's mm. just up in Muskoka. Oh, um, cool. so we're still with them. Laura and Jackie, they're in Toronto. So we see them quite a bit. So oh, yeah, fun. like we've still been able to stay in touch with quite a few of the teams from our season, which has been great. Oh, that's fun. That's we've been in touch with ours too. But the only other one we've met from your season, well, we've met Megan. So I feel like yeah. your team. Yeah. And then Ryan. Oh, yes. He's lovely. Yeah. We were in Vancouver. Now, I, I have zero sense of time because of pandemic, but that must have been 2019. Oh, his skits are so funny. He's a very oh funny my guy. God. He's, yeah. he's the best. He's so he's funny. So funny. Oh. Which I really I loved because I didn't get all that with him on, on the show. Like I didn't see no. really that fun, mm-hmm. that side. And I was like, oh man, I like really like him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, yeah, that's true. They didn't show as much as they could of how funny they are. And his what fun they personality. Do. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. that you get a character arc what's shown they have a lot of material to edit and there's the story and they can't tell the entire whole picture of who an individual is but using these clips they can kind of tell that story and so for ryan that may not have been a holistic view of who he was and how do you feel you were portrayed yeah i think it was good it's crazy to watch it back when you're on it because you're like okay they took like 12 hours of footage from that leg like what are they going to show? And you always think like, oh, that was such a good moment. It's not on there, yeah. you know? Or I worried about like, oh, I looked like such an idiot there. And then I just couldn't sleep because I worried about it. Th- and then it didn't even air. Oh, yeah, I know. So, right? Like, like there was one time, like we were always like, hey, we're not going to do anything to like hurt other teams. And there was one time when we got in the airport and I, I was like, Megan, I am hiding these maps behind this other map. And she's like, you Ooh. can't do that. I was like, I'm hiding them. And, like, I was like, they're totally going to show this. They never showed it. <laughs> oh, really? And did it actually throw people? Like, did it delay people? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know if anyone went in that shop to find a map. <laughs> <laughs> but you felt like you did something. You yeah. made a difference for I your team. Like, this is going to make all the difference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we heard Cruz complain about you guys because you were too fit and too fast. We had Cruz hop in the back of like <laughs> random trucks. Yeah. Like in Winnipeg, they were riding along in the truck bed beside us. <laughs> like, what? Where, whose it's truck so is funny. that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we had one leg. It, where was that in uh oh hamilton hamilton ontario and we got to ride bikes and Lowell's a cyclist so we're like so excited that you know we get to ride bikes but really it was like 200 meters around a bend in a park and the crew was in golf carts behind us telling us to slow down because their carts wouldn't go that fast so it wasn't really quite the cycling moment that we had you know hoped yeah. <laughs> I dreamed okay i'm here olympic cyclist let's do cycling on amazing race i was so stoked and then you had to go slow and, and part of the rules are you have to stay within 20 feet, 20 foot yeah. rule. Yeah. The yeah. yeah. Rule. 20 feet, 20, 20 feet. feet. <laughs> and you're always like pushing in there. I feel for them. It's hard because we're competitors and we want to race and win, but they're carrying 50 pounds of sound and video gear and trying to keep up behind you and keep you in focus and keep your sound good. Yeah, I, like, I don't care. Let's just, let's win a race. I know. Like we would always do, like we'd look on the map and say, okay, how far it is. And like other teams would be calling taxis or waiting for taxis. We're like, it's not that far. Let's just run. 
<laughs> yeah, we would run and beat the teams there, but like they're like, oh shoot, no, <laughs> we yeah, have we have Spooner and Mickelson. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite leg? Do you remember? Oh, this was like a long I time. Probably ago. had two, like Normandy, France, when we got to drive like those block oh. carts around oh. the beach, and then also like obviously it being like very sentimental, like where we were, yeah. and then also Macau, China. It was just cool. like so different. Was that um, where you had to learn the dance at night? Yeah. Oh yeah, the dance we struggled at. It was actually because of that challenge that you guys did that because that would have been really hard because dancing is hard for Lowell in the first place, but then to teach him something in the dark because he sees nothing in the dark. And so I bought all sorts of light up bracelets and things to put Mm -hmm. on different body parts to try. If if we were in that situation, we brought a whole bunch of extra crap with us. But anyways, you still like that place. So that's good. Yeah. Like I think like, 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 it's like, wow, if we did that, like we accomplished something, you know? Like, cause I think like, I don't know. I always like appreciate the things that were a little bit harder. Yeah. yeah. And like, this cause super satisfying once you did it. Mm-hmm, for sure. So what's the mindset of an Olympian coming into the amazing race? You're competitive your whole life. You're ready to take on challenges. What's the mindset when you see a challenge, when you rip open that clue, mm-hmm. what do you do? Don't think and go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when we first found out we were on the race, we we're like, oh my gosh, like, what did we get ourselves into? And then I think we just had to think like, okay, there's no expectation. It's not like, yeah, we're Olympians, but we've never done any of these things before. So mm-hmm. just kind of go out and do our best. And we've kind of been like with Team Canada, like we do boot camps where we do all these crazy things and just go and try dragon boating or whatever it was, dancing. Yeah. Like we did different things like that. We knew we could just go with it. But I think when you get in the moment, you're just like, okay, try to get it done as quick as we can. Yeah. and figure it out. I don't even know if there really is an answer to that. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, just rip it open and go. Yeah. So what do you think that leads to a team being more successful than a team that isn't? Not crumbling under the pressure, like not freaking out, not overthinking things. I mean, we definitely overthought some things at times, like with the flags yeah. on the beach, oh. sorting the fish. Like we couldn't even figure out what was the difference between these fish. Mm. And we went back and forth so many times. Do we change? Do we not change? And eventually we end up changing. So maybe we should have just changed that first. I don't know. But in the moment, it's so hard and you just got to go with your gut and then just do it. I don't know. Just try to get it done as quick as possible. Yeah. yeah. And did you ever look at other teams and second guess yourself or were you guys pretty solid and no, we have our plan. We're going to do this and kind of ignored other teams or were they close enough to you to even <laughs> do that most of the time? Yeah, there was definitely times where we did, but most of the time we tried to just focus on us and try to get through it. When we were in Tofino, like we were pretty far behind. I could not surf. And then Megan went in and surfed like that. So like we had a chance to then catch up. So then I had to do the um, building like a driftwood chair and it seemed like everyone else was struggling. And I was like, why is this driftwood chair like so hard for people? Like, so I was just like, okay, I just got to get it done and make something that you can sit on. And like, I whipped it out so fast that then we were back in first place. But I was like, I don't know how I did it. I just like <laughs> put all the sticks together and tied it. Like, why is everyone else struggling? But like you look at other people and you're like, this, sh- this is going to be really hard, right? Like other yeah. people can't do it. But if you just kind of like focus on your own and just sometimes yeah. that's better to just get it done yourself. Yeah. yeah. And that's important. If every time that you look at another team, that's distracting you from getting your task done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just realized that you and me have something in common from the race. And that is that we both threw up in airplanes, right? Oh, yes. You threw up too? Yeah. That's, that's right. I just thought about that because I just remembered your skydiving experience. Yeah. Are you yeah. usually motion sick in planes or was it? Yeah. Yeah. How Thank about cars? Did. Like cars, I'm normally okay, but I did throw oh. up out of a taxi window like a lot on that episode. So like that episode, I was sick on, oh. it was like a helicopter in ours, I think. And I was glued to this guy and I was like, I think I'm going to be sick. So I threw up in the helicopter. They're like, we can take you back down. I was like, nope, just throw me out. Gotta the do it. We yeah. got to get down. Like we got to get this done. 
Yeah. And we were supposed to go first. So they threw me out. And then Megan was like, oh no, like I came down like a rag doll. <laughs> oh, no. and then, like, I'm supposed to sit in the middle of the taxi in the back seat. So I was like, can yeah. I have the window seat? So we switched sides, which normally is not because it's normally like Natalie and Megan. So like, yeah, flip flop our names. The order. <laughs> and so then I was like throwing up out the taxi window. And then we got to the Empress Hotel and she did the serving the tea. So I just like took a nap on the lawn outside for while mm. she did that. And then they're like, oh, you got to go get in this boat. One of those like army boats to take you to the army base, uh, the Esquimalt base. So I threw up off the side of that boat. And then we get to the other side and it's, they didn't show this one, but we had a firefighting challenge first. So they like had to put you on a gas mask. And so I'm like telling the guy, I'm like, okay, so you're going to put me in this gas mask. Like what happens if I have to throw up? And he's like, you're not going to throw up. I was like, no, you don't understand. Yeah. Like <laughs> three times I, today. It's been a day. Like it could happen. And then we did like hose all these things, like drag this dummy. And then we had like the one where the water filled up in the bottom of the boat. And that's the one that they end up showing. Yeah. But it was, oh, I was so glad when that leg was over. So that was, was episode one, wasn't it? Yeah. What, it a, what, a, what a start. The first oh. episodes are always so crazy. How do they even choose what they air? Because you have to tell the stories of mm-hmm. minimum 10 teams or however many teams there are and all the challenges. Yeah. I remember the, the producers were like, who are these girls? Like, they're just like robots. Like, how did she just throw up and jump out of a plane and like keep going? I'm like... I don't know. You just got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had that during a hockey game where you're throwing up and then you're just going back out there and playing? No, I haven't. The 2014 Olympics, I felt nervous, like from my head to my toes. Like I felt sick, but not like the next performance sick. We had one Four Nations Cup where like this flu went around all of the teams. So we would have girls in between periods in the bathroom and you'd hear them while the coach was trying to like talk to us. So and like like, Team Finland, I think had it the worst. Some of their players had just like red eyes from being so sick. I think the US was maybe the only team that didn't get it that bad. Wow. It was rough that tournament. Rough. <laughs> Luckily, I was fine. Oh, good. They kept, like, moving people out of each other's rooms that had it and like trying to separate people to like who who has it, who doesn't. Yeah, sheesh. Well, that's been one benefit of this COVID time. There hasn't been that kind of stuff going around either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I hope some of these COVID things stick. Like, let's not spit on our birthday cakes before we serve them to everybody. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. And <laughs> let's wash our hands and sanitize. <laughs> if wash we're sick, wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is true. Like life's just going to be so different now. Yeah. I know you're never going to be able to sneeze or cough in public the same. It's like, oh, I swear, I don't have COVID. <laughs> you know? I know, right? When you sneeze before, people say bless you. Now they just say F you. Curse you, yeah. <laughs> COVID, COVID. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> have you had that? No, it's, it's, okay, it's, yes. it's just a joke. I can't imagine uh, somebody saying F you. But... It's just They'll a just feeling, right? you away and put you in quarantine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you were to do Amazing Race again, how would you approach it? Any different? I would like to say I wouldn't approach it any differently. I think like because you kind of know what to expect now, you probably would approach it differently. But you were so successful the first time. Yeah, like we went in there like pretty open-minded and we're like, let's just not get kicked off first. Like that's the only thing. I know. Oh my goodness. Not go home first. (laughs) That was our thing too. Like, oh, can we at least just last one leg, please? Yeah. (laughs) I feel bad for the first teams off. There's not enough time to build a story to for people to connect with you. So it's just it's just the sad. You spend all this time in training and sequester the entire huge process, but mm-hmm. you have, I don't know, 10 minutes of airtime and it just, it's so deflating. What was it last season? They had fan favorites back. Jet and Dave. Oh yeah. Jet and Dave. Yeah. And they went home first and I was like, Oh, worst nightmare ever. <laughs> All the hype. And then oh. it's just like, oh. oh, I know that would be the absolute worst, especially when they, they were so successful the first time. Mm-hmm. 
I know. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have put myself in that position for any amount of money. <laughs> I don't think. Oh. I think like once you are successful, you have like that target on your back and now you're yeah. like, okay. Even like we felt kind of throughout the race, we need to keep getting farther and farther ahead because if anyone beat mm. us to any of those boards where we had to redo yeah. things or anything, like we we're like, oh, this is not going to be. You're the team to U-turn for well, sure. With Katrina LeMay-Done, we were talking about the pressure of being on top. And when I'm cheering, even for reality shows like this, like for you guys, that's kind of one of the reasons why I was cheering for you guys so hardcore. I feel, I don't know, through the TV screen, the pressure, and I just don't want you guys to have to crumble under any kind of pressure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was pressure, but at the same time, it was like so much fun because every day was like, oh, something new. Let's go do this. Yeah. <laughs> Living in that adrenaline is so exciting. It's like race day for me, but that was for weeks, the months leading up to it, even through preparing and how do you prepare, mm -hmm. getting out, living in sequester, this whole what's coming, all of that, just nerves, nerves, nerves. And then when John says go, it's just that feeling of adrenaline and it's lasting the entire race. It's amazing. We've talked to people from most seasons and I'm interested in the differences with like pit stops. And did you guys have wash and folds or did you have to wash your own clothes? Wash our own clothes. They said that we would get stuff washed once. Okay. And we had like these leggings that we were wearing. One leg was like the muddiest leg ever. So we were like, can we please get them washed? So I think we got laundry twice. Oh, you did? We had very thin underwears and we washed them in the sink or in like the bathtub. Uh-huh. We had a wash and fold at every pit stop, I think. But ahead of time, we weren't told anything like that. We're like, just bring a shampoo bar because you'll yep. probably have to wash. Like, that's all we were told. But we had a wash and fold every night. But then other seasons, both yeah. before and after us, had nothing, I think, yeah. if, that's, if I'm remembering correctly. We had super fancy hotels and room service. I think we kind of had the golden Amazing season. Amazing food. What was your food like? Did you get lots yeah, of good, good options? Well, if, like if we were in small places, we didn't, but like we stayed at like a Fairmont one. When we were in Hong Kong, we stayed in a really nice hotel with like a really good buffet and oh. we got to stay there like, for a whole day. And yeah, we got to order room service and I would always get chocolate cake as dessert. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like we were also still training for hockey. So we'd get our hour to go to the gym and like make sure we got our workouts in. So that when we came back, we were like oh. ready for camp and stuff. But it was like, oh. Oh, wow. Yeah, we enjoyed the room service meals as well. I kind of thought that we were spoiled because we had Mrs. Universe on our season. Because that's, oh. that's what it sounds like. I, I feel like. <laughs> I have a rapid fire for you. Okay. How do you feel about rapid fire, Natalie? Well, let's see if I can get them out rapid enough. <laughs> we're just going to give you a list of words. And terms. just uh, terms, yeah, words and terms. Just basically saying the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Would you say? Yeah. Cool. So, rapid fire. First thing that comes to your mind. Ready? Yep. Team USA. Rivals. Ah. <laughs> Shootout. Uh, I don't like them. <laughs> I'd rather keep playing. <laughs> to me, they, I'm I'm not a hockey player. Sorry to pause the the rapid fire. Again. I'm not a hockey player, but it seems like not even hockey because it's like a one person thing. Where hockey is very much a team thing. Do you think there's a chance that they'll ever get rid of them? The NHL goes to shootout sometimes, like totally fine. But like, if it's like a championship game and it would be like in basketball, like just going, okay, we're going to do trick shots to see who's going to win the championship. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It just doesn't seem right. Yeah, I agree. So carry on. Next word, elimination. <laughs> um, not good. <laughs> I like to not be eliminated. Yeah, but she never was. That's she true. Last leg. But you weren't eliminated. I guess not. Okay. So then that brings me to my next word or term, second place. Uh, you love it. Second place who? <laughs> in our like video we made for our audition for The Amazing Race, we did a knock-knock joke at the end. It was like, knock-knock, who's there? Second place. Second place who? And then we're like, oh my gosh, now we came second place. Like, we should not have done that. 
if you go again, you have to do a knock knock joke about first place. Yeah, exactly. Self fulfilling prophecy there. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, some other words. Good. Gold. <laughs> Auto correct. You, you're right. There. Julie gave me the list. I was like, oh, that's not what Normally I thought. Normally he I had comes written. up with these things. But I, I mean, I like good. Good and gold are both great. <laughs> I was like, Julie must really want this. I don't know why. <laughs> Funny watching. You're like, ah. Uh, he's like, I'll just own this one. Good. good. All right, sure. Okay, next word. Gold. I like gold a lot. Probably yeah. one of my favorite colors, red and gold. Red and gold. As they should be. Well, we're hoping, uh, Beijing, you bring home more gold. That's awesome. What is your favorite workout? Oh, I don't know if I have a favorite. Like, obviously, like hockey, you have to be good at cardio, but you've got to be good at like short sprints, but you got to be strong. So there's so many different things. And I think that's why I like the workout so much. Quite a good variety. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't variety. know, Lowell, but I may get bored if I was just bike riding all the time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think it would be a little too repetitive for me. He, does. he sits on that bike for two to four hours daily but he joined in on an everest challenge this year and it was like 12 hours or just under 12 yeah, hours we, we did the everest he so just sat on his bike. 8850 meters of elevation over 200 kilometers and it took an 11 and a half hours so yeah just sitting on the bike and then this along. is another fun fact when he's on his own and not participating in like a challenge like that he usually listens to podcasts or audiobooks on double speed. So he's on his bike for like four hours, just listening to this computerized and his brain understands it. Cause he's so used to listening like that. But I'm like, like there's no like prosody or intonation change. My butt can barely handle like 30 minutes on the bike. <laughs> I'm like, I need a break. I can not even imagine like more than two hours. <laughs> You'd get used to it though. I'm sure. It's its own kind of mental training. <laughs> How much upper body do you guys do? Quite a bit too, yeah. Like I would say like speed skaters don't do a lot of upper body, but hockey, because we got to be pushing people around, oh, yeah. we still got to be pretty strong, like upper body wise. Yeah. So it's pretty like oh, even yeah. and like be able to shoot a puck hard. Like you got to mm-hmm. be oh, yeah. strong in your core and your arms. Yeah. yeah. The variety is great. I love strength and conditioning. I love going to the gym, lifting heavy weights. And I came from triathlon mm-hmm. and that was right. You could run, I could swim. So it was a bit more variety. Yeah. So cycling definitely has made me a bit more unisport. It's not as balanced. So once I'm done this elite level and hopefully bring home a medal at the Paralympics, then I think eventually I'll, I'll move more to broadening that and trying to be a bit more holistic as an athlete. Because yeah, I've lost my upper body since I've gone to cycling. No, right? you haven't lost well, it. You're I, still... I've lost what I did have before. Yeah. If you want to have... be like strong legs to push, but like a little bit lighter up top, right? Yeah. Extra weight isn't that helpful. So you need to hold yeah. onto the bike and you need to transfer that power. So the core needs to be strong. You don't do many arm workouts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So your favorite workout is variety, which is awesome. Yes. Favorite workout song. Oh, I mean, I like anything like pop and anything mm. that I can sing along to. Me too. My favorite song, like before I go to play yeah. would be the song by Kat DeLuna called Unstoppable. Nice. I try to tell myself like when I get on the ice, like be unstoppable, just mm-hmm. go. My oh, favorite nice. workout song is also called Unstoppable, but by Sia. Oh, nice. Unstoppable. That one? I think. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I just said the main word. <laughs> I don't know lyrics. I usually get the lyrics all wrong. I make up lyric songs all the time. So even yeah. if I thought it was a bad lyric, I'd probably turn it into something good. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> do you have a favorite singer? Uh, I don't know if I do. Like, I love Celine Dion. <gasps> do you have you seen her in Vegas? I have. Oh, me and too. I need to take a picture with her, but. <gasps> It was only like so, so short. So I feel like I didn't get like a good conversation, but you know. Oh yeah, but still, hello. And that's how people feel meeting you too, by the way. But anyways, we saw her too. And she did, did she do the hologram thing for you where you were watching her on stage and then all of a sudden they lit up in the aisle and she was like standing in the aisle? I can't remember. It was like 20, after 2014, I went. I don't know if she had the hologram thing then. Okay. When did What year did you see her? It was right around then. 
I think it No, we had babies. Oh yeah. I was still nursing. It would have been actually 2014, I think. It was my third attempt. First we had tickets for Edmonton, but then Lola and I ended up moving to New Zealand instead, so my sister had to go somewhere else. And then we were booked in Vegas with my twin again because it was our 30th birthday thing, but she canceled because she was sick. Celine, not my sister. Celine, oh. that was so upsetting. So we were still in Vegas with okay. no Celine. We're like, mm. And then the third mm. third time was a charm, but she ended up in the aisle like exactly where we were except the other side. Oh, shoot. And it yeah. really wasn't her. <laughs> It was. The stage one wasn't. It was a hologram, no? The hologram, the what we were all watching on stage was, was not her. That was the hologram. And then all of a sudden they put the spotlight on and her, she was live and in the flesh, like right beside people. Yeah, I know. That was our that was our reaction. I know. I, okay, I'm glad you love Celine Dion because sometimes people say they don't. And I'm like, mm, just went down in my books. But so good. You went up in my books. <laughs> Are you done with your... Uh, yeah. Because well, I took be, over. Well, that was a favorite singer. We could just do two more favorite TV show. Oh, hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I love Schitt's Creek. Oh, me too. Love it. Laugh out loud. Um, love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many good shows. Like I love Bridgerton that I was just watching. Um, I just did that one too. Yeah. We have the same taste, lol. Like Guilty Pleasure, maybe 90 Day Fiance. And I probably don't <laughs> want people to know that I like that show, but <laughs> I do. I've not seen that one. I feel like it would be painful. Is it painful? Oh, it is sometimes. It's a little bit much. Like, I don't know why I watch it still. Sucks you in. Yeah, it just sucks you in. And sometimes, like, they're not even that exciting, the episodes now, but you just, like, I don't want to miss something. No, heaven forbid. Yeah. (laughs) I just realized we didn't talk at all about the Hockey Academy. So just switching gears all the way back to hockey and the role that you are playing for girls and women in sport. Can you tell us about your Hockey Academy? Yeah. So it was probably, like, six years ago now, I guess six or seven years, I started the Natalie Spooner High Performance Hockey Academy. So it's just for girls. They come out, uh, we get like two ice times in the day. They get to work out, plus they get some sessions on, whether it's like leadership or we sometimes do like a little amazing race with them where they got to oh, do all these different tasks around the arena. So it's just super fun. I mean, I grew up going to hockey schools and I think, you know, it helped me obviously not only to meet people, but to meet new people, to play hockey against different people mm-hmm. and then to improve your skills. So I think that it's important for these girls to have access to players that have, you know, maybe done it and that they're looking up to. We always bring in some other of my teammates or some other players that they can meet too. So I think it's just, it's an awesome week and the girls always have fun and they're so chatty and so, so cute by the end. That's so cute. What does that look like right now during COVID? Is it still happening, but in smaller groups? No, we haven't been able to do it. So I normally do it around August. So last August we ended up doing a virtual one. So just online and then hopefully by this august we'll be able to have one but Mm. we'll kind of just wait it out and see kind of what the numbers are at by that point yeah and now what's happening with because the hockey team the women's is it the league that you were part of yes so i was part of the cwhl that in 2019 it folded Uh so we kind of were left with nowhere to play so we started the pwhpa the professional women's hockey's players association it's a mouthful yeah. <laughs> and so now we're just going around. We're playing in these showcases. We're not able to have any in Canada. Well, we're hoping to have some, but at the moment, the restrictions are too strict. But I mean, there was two that were just one in Chicago and one in New York. And like they got to play at an MSG in New York, which was like nice. amazing. So I'm um, mm-hmm. just showcasing our game and showing that there is a market for women's hockey out there and that yeah. people want to watch it and hopefully mm-hmm. get a professional league where girls can be paid to play and, and have it as a career. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you guys in women's soccer teams too, you guys need to get recognized more, that's for sure. Yeah, time. Yeah, and that's a big topic, but what would you say we can do more of as a society, as parents? What can we do for girls in sport, women in sport? 
What's the yeah, path forward? I mean, especially for hockey, I think when the women are on TV, watch them. Like, I think people always just kind of resort back to watching the NHL players, which, I mean, they're great to watch. I love watching them too, but take advantage of when the girls are on the TV and when we get that moment and tune in and watch. And most people who haven't seen us play or haven't seen women play in a long time are so pleasantly surprised with just how fast and how skilled the game has gotten um, mm-hmm. and do get hooked. So I think, you know, that's probably the easiest way to, you know, support right now. Obviously, when things go a little bit back to normal, buy a ticket, come out to the games, watch, tweet, Instagram, whatever it is, and just keep on like spreading the word about, you know, women's sports and about our game, because people just kind of tend to resort back to, you know, the ones that are the most available and the easiest to watch, where Mm -hmm. maybe we're not the easiest to watch yet, but we're working towards that and working towards getting more games on TV and and having it be more accessible for everyone to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then say, how about in training or encouraging girls in sport? There's a stat, I don't know the exact stat, but how soon they drop out of sport typically because of society, because of Mm -hmm. the way the system is set up. Yeah, like most of the time it's by, I think, 11, there's like 50% of girls that drop out of sport. So obviously with fast and female, I think like what they're doing is amazing, just exposing them to real role models who still are in sport and still love taking part of it and realizing that, okay, it's not just something I do till I'm 11, but I can keep playing and I can keep having fun with Mm -hmm. this and keep growing. Because I know like for me, like sport brought so much to my life and I learned so much through not only playing hockey, but I played soccer, I did badminton, I did field hockey, I did cross country, like I did any Mm -hmm. single sport I could get my hands on growing up. And I think I learned a lot through all of those sports. So for girls with fast and female, they're exposing them to all these different sports. So if girls can find one sport that they're passionate about, that they love, and that, you know, maybe they're not going to be an Olympian, maybe they're not going to play highly competitive in that sport, but that they can do daily and feel healthy and feel confident. Uh, I think that that's kind of the most important part of it. Yeah, for sure. I agree. We have two boys, but I'm really pushing the like smash the patriarchy and misogyny and like you guys need to be allies for girls and women. And, you know, they're they're white boys and the world is kind of built for for white boys and men. So I'm like, but you guys need to recognize that girls don't have it that easy and different races. So we're we're trying. awesome I mean I think the world is changing and yeah I mean I get so many more tweets and Instagrams from little boys that you know watch women's hockey now or oh you that's know, so cool so it is changing and it's exciting to see but we definitely still have a ways to go we do yeah oh yeah it starts with these kids too so yeah giving them the right mindset so one of our big messages we're trying to kind of connect with people on is looking at those obstacles looking at the, the struggles people have had in their life and then how they can turn them into opportunities, even that opportunity to learn, to grow, to share, to give. So what have you learned through the obstacle of the pandemic or difficulties in your life? Now I look back and I'm like, oh, okay, there's been quite a few like adversities that I've had to go through or obstacles as you call them. And I think it's about having like a growth mindset and being able to take them, but to, to grow from them. And when you're little, you look at like little kids that are falling on the ground and People are cheering them on and people are like, oh, that's great. But Mm -hmm. whereas when you get older and you fail, like it's, there's like this bad connotation with it that, oh, like you, you didn't succeed. And I think it's about changing the mindset that it's not always a bad thing to fail. Mm -hmm. What is the good that can come out of it? Or maybe that wasn't supposed to be the plan that, that happened and something better is going to come out of it. So I think it's about staying positive and cheering yourself on through, through those failures, right? Just try a different thing and see if that one works. As a team, we talk about like a scientist mindset and scientists, they fail all the time. They try different concoctions and it takes them maybe 10 times to get it right. But they're not like, oh, I didn't get 
they're not yeah. like totally upset after the first time because they know it's going to take a few mm -hmm. times. So I think it's, yeah. you know, having that mindset to be able to just keep pushing and, and then to figure it out. Fail quick and fail often, right? If you want to come up with a solution, if you're going to invent a light bulb that takes a thousand fails, you better get through those failures pretty quick. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, let's keep moving. Being a little scientists, trying to push through, trying to keep that positive growth mindset, super mm -hmm. important. For sure. Cool. I think everyone is always going to have hard times. Obviously right now there's more than we ever expected, but I can say as an athlete, I think coming out of this, we're going to have some of the most resilient athletes because people have had to go out and find other ways to train. It hasn't always been the easiest to find ice, to find a gym, mm -hmm. to find equipment. So I think that we're going to find a lot of resilient athletes coming out of this that are able to make do with whatever is thrown at them and, and make the best of it. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And all of this is about fun, enjoyment, growth, but also it's shared with relationships. Who are the people who have shaped your life the most? Well, probably my parents. I, mean, I don't know how you can not say your parents. You probably spent the most time with them. Mm -hmm. Obviously my dad being a rugby player, like he was always the one who was work hard, work ethic. I remember like looking at him in the stands when I was little and he'd be going like this, like skate faster, skate faster. <laughs> so he was the one who was always pushing me. And then my mom was kind of the one who was always super supportive. My mom wasn't very athletic. Didn't really, I think she started running when she was like 40. Oh, that's cool though. Yeah. She wasn't the most athletic of ladies, but she was always super supportive, taking me anywhere I needed to be, to the rink, to my tournaments. No matter how I did, it was, you did great. You did your best. Or, you know, before mm. I would go out, if I'd be nervous, she goes, just do your best. That's the best you can do. Mm. So I think that it was great to have her with the mixture of my dad who really instilled that work ethic in me. Is your family in the Toronto area too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're in Scarborough. So just the other side of Toronto. Okay. And you're all pretty close still relationship wise. Oh yeah. It's been a little bit harder through the pandemic because they're yeah. older now, but when I get my COVID tests, I get to go visit them. Oh, that's fun. One day we shall all travel again and <laughs> cheer and participate in sport again together. Where can people find you? Do you have a website, social media? Yes, I do have a website, nataliespooner.com. And then Instagram and Twitter would be natspooner5. And I did get a TikTok. And I'm not sure if my TikTok is natspooner5 or just natspooner, but... I just got TikTok not too long ago and I'm wow. trying to figure it out. I'm not great at it yet, but I'm working on it. It scares me to think about it. I feel elderly. I haven't delved into that world. I don't know if I recommend getting it. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to make TikToks. It takes a lot of time. Does it? Do they have the editing right in there? I don't really know. I normally take it as a video and try to put it in, but then you got to line up the sound with it. And people always comment how mine's off. And I'm like, this seems like the closest thing I could ever do. <laughs> people are so judgy. I'm like, oh no, I tried. <laughs> okay, steer clear TikTok. Okay, that's the, that's the lesson yeah. for today. <laughs> so anything else to promote or anything right now? Tune in, watch some women's hockey when you can, support the PWHPA. Thanks so much for having me on. This was so fun. Thanks so much for coming on. You're kind of a big deal. Oh gosh. Yeah. You are you are an inspiration. You are a strong, empowered woman who's doing amazing things. And those moments bringing home gold, the women's Olympic hockey teams have shaped us as Canadians in the last number of years. So thank you for the passion, the power, the excitement. And of course, cheering you on Amazing Race was just so incredible. It was one of the reasons we wanted to go and, and do the show as well. So thank you for the impact you've had on our lives and so many Canadians. Oh, thank you, Lowell. I mean, I think you are an inspiration of what you're doing and everything is crossed for you. Good luck. I'm so excited. I hope you make it and thank I you. get to cheer you on. Maybe one day I'll do like a 20 minute bike and do it in honor of all the okay. biking you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again so much for chatting with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Hopefully we'll see you one of these days if we're all in Toronto for a little training or something like that. Yeah. Well, when we move to Calgary in September, 
like normally we play in that midget AAA boys league. So we would play against the Lethbridge team. So we'd be going out there, but I don't know if we're playing in that league anymore uh, or whatever. So I may be out your way. Yeah. We'll well, for sure. Let us know if you do. We have to move there September to January. You want to spend Christmas with us? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> of course you're more than welcome, but I'm sure you're going home. So I feel like you'd be like, what? You want a left bridge? <laughs> Parents are best. Like, That's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, my amazing race family. Is <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, good luck with everything. <laughs> okay. Bye, bye, bye. Natalie Spooner. Aw, what a cool chick that one is, eh? <laughs> a lot of cool connections there as well. She likes Celine Dion. You like Celine Dion. Oh my goodness, I already loved her to pieces. And when she said she loves Celine Dion and Schitt's Creek, yeah. as you know, I already overstate my relationship with Natalie Spooner, pretending that she's my sister. Race sister? Yes, because she's my race sister. So I kind of pretend like we're family. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, it's going to be worse. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> the crush just got a little bit stronger. <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves natalie yeah and a lot of reason too this amazing powerful canadian women's hockey team has been an inspiration and those moments of watching them in the last number of olympics has just been so amazing Love no, it. i can't even imagine the emotion that they feel at the olympics with yeah. their teammates when watching from our tvs at home it's so emotional just watching them yeah. kill it out there her heroes growing up were meaningful for her. And I feel like she probably has even more of an impact because of social media, that her reach is so much bigger. She can be active in all these platforms. And the kids are too, lol. Did you know that? Kids like social media. Yeah. So all you kids out there, <laughs> jump on, check out Nat Spooner 5 On Twitter and Instagram. And she's doing a new TikTok. So check out that yeah don't comment on the audio though just just like it do you like things on tiktok she's, i don't know she's a high performer so she's going to figure she's going to figure it out <laughs> she started a hockey academy i just this woman has great skills she is a real role model for fast and female so all of these things that she's doing she's part of this culture of changing the way yeah. we look at women in sport and help girls be healthy active lifelong sport and fitness and wellness advocates so yeah it's pretty awesome. awesome and of course one of the most dominant teams ever in amazing race history oh so yeah for anybody who hasn't seen that check out crave tv and wherever else you find amazing race season two season two awesome well thanks again natalie it was definitely our pleasure Absolutely. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Hope you found this episode interesting and you could learn from her mindset. Really this, this idea of pushing limits and seeing failure as an opportunity to learn. There is no way people would not find her interesting. She could be reading <laughs> the dictionary and it would be interesting. <laughs> Any hoozles. Thanks everybody for listening. Until next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. Leading to Tokyo 2021, this podcast will be focusing on the stories of elite athletes. If you or someone you know has overcome obstacles on your quest for world-class competition and you'd like to be on our show, please find us at obstaclesandopportunities.com and reach out. Our podcast social media handles are at obsopspod, that is O-B-S-O-P-S-P-O-D. And our personal handles are at Julie Lowell Can, J-U-L-I-E-L-O-W-E-L-L-C-A-N. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.